Welcome to the Bamboo Pastors Podcast, a podcast that explores the joys and challenges of being an English-speaking pastor in a Chinese church. I'm Jalen Chan, and I'm here with my co-host, John Mon. Hey, everyone. Together, we host the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. We're glad that you're here with us. Come on in and have a seat at the table. Welcome to another episode of the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. I am Jalen Chan. And I am co-hosting with my friend, John Mon, who I am sitting across the screen from. John, it's always good to see you. How are you doing? Hey, Jalen, it is good to see you too. I, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, this weekend was a good one uh, on a lot of different levels. Um, the Bears won on Thursday and in particular beat the team that uh, is like the worst team in the NFL right now. And we own their number one draft pick. And so right. it was like a, a win on two fronts for us um yeah. so very good and then wasn't it doesn't really matter doesn't really matter though right because we get we have our pick of course and we have their pick and so yeah. i was thinking it doesn't really matter if we win or lose this game actually i was thinking if we tied this game <laughs> that's probably the best scenario right as far as like getting picks i but, feel like it would be the best option is if we have the one and then wherever we finish so i don't know yeah, yeah. It, but it's always more fun to watch them win than to watch them that's lose true. i guess very true yeah uh, and on the subject of winning, I play in a weekly church volleyball league, like with a bunch of other churches in the Bay Area. And so I have a team with my young adults. Um, and so this week, this past Sunday was the last game of the regular season. And it was for us, there was a, there were five teams fighting for the last three playoff spots. Um, and so basically for us, we either had to win or um, to make it into the playoffs, or we had to uh, if we lost, then we would have to depend on a different team to like a certain one of the other teams to win so that we would sneak into the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And so um, and then on top of it, we were playing the other team that's from our church in that last game of the regular season, which is comprised of um, not young adults, but uh, adults who are some of them are the parents of my young adults. In fact, one of the my team members her dad was on the other team. Mm. And so we had this game circled on our calendar and, and it was very competitive. We went to three games um, and very fun, but we did end up winning. And then both of our teams ended up making the playoffs. So that was, that was like oh, the best nice. case scenario, um, kind of a win-win situation. Cause we did, we did win. And then um, if we do well next week, we might face each other in the final again. So for wow. the third game, that would be the tiebreaker because we split the regular season. So that'd be fun. Yeah. Fun times. Um, yeah, but besides that, I think we've talked about this on the podcast, um, but our my young adult ministry that I'm serving with, we moved into a new church facility for our Friday night gatherings, and we've been in there for two weeks now, um, and it's been really good. I think just the change of like slight change of um, scenery for us and using this space that um, we're not the only ones using it, but I think we're able to spread out on a Friday night because there's no one else there at, at the moment um, and really take ownership of using this facility, cleaning up after ourselves, which I mean, we're, we're trying to do that regardless of where we're meeting. But sure. I think kind of taking us to a new season of like really owning um, the ministry that we're a part of and seeing my young adults step up into that has been exciting. and. We've sidecarred uh, a college group that we just launched with it. And so it's been fun to kind of interact both with young adults and college students together. Um, so that's been going really well. Yeah, I think we, I, we 
talked about it briefly on a previous episode, but that's my yeah. update. Yeah, on that that's really cool. No, yeah, I mean, I, that's exciting to hear about. And uh, I think the last time we talked about it, I was asking, you know, for an update. And so it's really exciting to hear that that's happening and things are going well. And mm-hmm. that's yeah. cool. How have you been? Yeah, things good. Things are going well. I think just on the ministry front, um, you know, we're coming up on the holiday season. And so um, like during the actual holidays, I think it's harder for us, you know, in ministry to take time off. Right. And so our, our uh, Mandarin pastor is currently in China. And then next week, our youth pastor is uh, going back to California. And so I'll be the only staff person uh, on site. And so that'll be, the that'll be extra fun. But um, yeah, uh, otherwise, I was going to ask you actually for some, maybe some some uh some some advice on the cooking front because i know you cook a lot for yourself and i cook maybe like once or twice a week for our house and it's almost exclusively on our outdoor griddle right it's like Mm. a five burner i don't know what it's like 700 square inches of you know flat top and so um cook on that but obviously when it gets cold it's hard to do that um so what are you cooking these days and what are some recipe ideas you can give me? Oh man. So nowadays I feel like for the most part, I'm cooking for small group. So I make a really large portion Uh, of one thing. I'm also cooking for small group. All right. Okay. So, and, and then I pray that that lasts me the whole, the whole week. Um, And in particular, because we're at this new building now, I have to go early and there's not a great way to reheat stuff so far, or we're like, we're trying to keep things clean. So, mm-hmm. um, I have really enjoyed recently making like a spicy cucumber salad and basically just like cucumbers with black vinegar, lauganma, sesame mm-hmm. cilantro, cause it's super easy and mm-hmm. it seems to go over well because I feel like I very rarely go home with any of it when I go back mm-hmm. home. So it's easy to make and I can make it ahead of time and it doesn't have to be reheated. So. That would be that would I might be adjust the spice level on that for certain members of my family, but oh, that's a good idea. That's cool true. Time. I let me think about it. I don't you think can, there would be anything in there that your kids could not. Right. Eat. Yeah. No. I, yeah. That would yeah. be that would when be a good I, one. Thinking about it, so yeah. I can, and I don't really have a recipe because I just eyeball and then taste it to yeah. see. But that's how that's how you're supposed to do it. That's how we. That's how we're supposed to do it as Chinese people right? Yeah. Though sometimes that can go really wrong. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. That's just fresh uh, on my mind because I was cooking this okay. evening. So, Wait, but I feel like there are so many dishes that I learned basically from your wife in all those years that we did potluck dinners at your house. Yeah. So surely, are you just looking for new things? Yeah. Just like, obviously I'm not going to replicate hers because mine's going to fall way Uh, short of what she does so i can't cook what she cooks i'm gonna cook something else so my other really easy go-to is tomato egg okay yeah yeah but that one your 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 godson cannot have that one so that is true it's okay we'll think of some other stuff but but that's been fun i've been i've been trying to cook some more and i took a walk to uh oh i don't know if you've been to there's a newer like chinese grocery store in skokie Hmm. um and so for our listeners, you know, I live in Skokie and John used to live in Skokie. Um, That's where I grew up. Yeah. So I walked over there this afternoon, picked up some ingredients and then walked home and it's great. So 
when you're we'll back have... next week, we'll, we'll go check yes. it out. Yeah. I'm looking yeah. forward to it. Well, maybe, maybe we walk over to that grocery store together Yeah, for something. It's a good hike. It's like oh. three and a half miles round trip. But... I will drive then. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I'm excited tonight for our guests to the podcast. Um, so I was in Vancouver over the summer and I was attending um, a conference, basically the Chinese Church Association of the Christian Missionary Alliance, which is the denomination I serve in. There's a network of Chinese churches um, in the US. And then like every, maybe like every three years, we combine with our Canadian counterparts. And so this summer was a combined joint conference and it happened to be in Vancouver. Um, so I went up to Vancouver for a few days and it was at this conference that I met our guest, Keith Chung, and really excited to have him on the podcast and to to just chat. So Keith uh, is the English lead pastor at Burnaby Alliance Church, which is in um, Metro Vancouver. And we're just really, really glad to have you on the podcast tonight, Keith. Hey, how's it going, guys? Thanks for joining us, Keith. Hey, we start every podcast with the same question and just wanted to get your story on this. But what has been your ministry journey? What has been your calling into ministry? Just share that with us and give us an insight into how God led you into ministry. Yeah. Um, hey, just before we I start into that, my story here, uh, Skokie, Illinois, huh? Um, I The only reason I know Skokie, Illinois is because of that movie, Usual Suspects. Yes. You, guys, you guys watched it? <laughs> yes. Verbal, yeah. Kent, Verbal Kent was in a That's right. barbershop quartet, That's Skokie, right. Illinois. Uh, great movie, <laughs> yes, by the is. way. Uh, <laughs> yep. Anyways, usual suspects, yeah. yeah usual suspects was very formative in my story that's why it's, it's, it's <laughs> a good it's a good segue into my story my story uh <laughs> no um my story is uh i i come from a uh, a family full of pastors uh so uh it, it's uh i my my story always kind of begins there uh so i have two uncles who are pastors a brother who is a pastor um two cousins who are pastors as well and um, and so my great grandfather, uh, his just my spiritual journey heritage, heritage comes from my great grandfather who got a Bible tract on from a missionary who was traveling on a boat in China. Got a and he got a missionary tra- a Bible tract from a missionary there, and it kind of started from there. And then my my great grandfather, he was involved heavily involved in his local church. My grandfather was a church planter. He helped out with a lot of church plants and stuff like that. And and um, somehow, after generation after all the generations after them had have had pastors um, in my family, and so even even generations after me, the next generation after me is like there's a couple pastors. One one of my nieces married into married uh, married a pastor. Um, my her sister, my nieces, my youth pastor. <laughs> so it, it kind of runs in the family. And uh, it, so it's kind of inevitable that that I became a pastor. Um, I my my journey started kind of in when I was doing my undergrad. And it's first, second year university. And um, I was just sitting in my basement watching TV. And I, I just really felt this profound um, kind of God speaking in a still, still small voice saying, man, I, Keith, I want you to go to seminary. I want you to go to full-time ministry. And, um, and my brother, my older brother, who was, he was in seminary at the time. I talked to him about it. He's like, well, why don't you just finish university first and see how it goes from there? 
And uh, so that's what I did. So I just kind of put it off. I kept putting it off for a while. I've graduated university, graduated with a, a degree in finance, business administration. Um, and then, uh, you know, just throughout the years, just felt uh, God poking me with a stick and nudging me say, hey, Keith, I want you to go to ministry. I want you to go to seminary. And I kept putting it off. Um, and so I worked. So after university, I moved to, I was just trying to figure things out. I moved to Calgary where my brother was uh, serving as a pastor and um, moved over there and worked in sort of the finance industry for a couple of years. Um, and uh, uh, after that, I really wanted to do animation school. And so I went to animation school. It's kind of a, a childhood dream of mine to, to either be an animator or a cartoonist. It was really weird. I wanted to actually, in grade five, I remember me and a friend of mine, we wanted to be political cartoonists. Like, you know, the ones you see in the newspaper, um i don't know i don't know how that came about but we were in, really influenced by the local political cartoonists in our local paper uh, anyway so i went to animation school as one of those things where i i went into school there were tons of jobs when i graduated uh there were no jobs and so um i, I yeah just to spend a year just looking for a job and, and figure things out and i eventually found a job in in the in the music industry i was working for a music management company here in vancouver and uh uh it was it was another it was another dream thing that i, I was hoping to do in, in my life like i you know if it was if, if i wasn't cartoon uh, cartoonist or being an animator it was playing in a band and if it wasn't playing in a band um the next best thing was working in artist management and so that's where i was working and it was kind of in a position where if I worked in this uh, company for a couple of years, uh, I could kind of figure out my own path within the music industry from that point on. And so that was kind of where I was at. Um, but then uh, uh, I was working in Vancouver. My wife was finishing school in Calgary. And the plan was for when she graduated, she would come move out and, um, and we'd start life there. But she got really sick. My wife has lupus. And so she got really sick one one. Um, uh, around Christmas time of, of of the year we got married, uh, our our first uh, our first our mere our our marriage our uh, first six months of our marriage was long distance, and um, and so so I, I flew back to Calgary, and uh, we're praying about it. We're we're just talking about it, and then Monday rolled around. I flew back. I rolled into my boss's office and told him I had to I had to resign, and mm -hmm. uh, I had to uh, move back to Calgary to to take care of my wife. And so, um, man, all throughout this time, God was just nudging me with the stick and uh, poking me with a stick and just saying, Keith, I want you to go to seminary. I want you to go to a full-time ministry. And, and I kept saying, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. I was willing to do it, but I'll just do it later. Let me do this stuff first. You know, in, in the music industry, I, was, I thought, man, like I could be like this. I could be like the, the Christian influence in the, <laughs> like uh, in the, in the music industry, like just influence all this stuff. And, um, I don't know why I thought that it was like such a big dream. Um, but that was kind of what is on my heart. But then uh, I think God wanted other things for me. And I think it took, it took my wife getting sick and pulling me out of that to get to kind of snap me out of it and say, look, you've, you've kind of put this off for a long time. Now it's my turn. Right. And, uh, and so for a good 10 years, I was, I was, I was, uh, I was 
God was patient with me. God was gracious with me and just, just allowing me to do two of the things that I thought there were dreams of mine to do. And, um, and eventually they, they turned out like, you know, the thing that was most satisfying is when um, I served God um, with all of myself and not just a part of it. And so that's what happened. Um, So after that, I moved back to Calgary. I was working for um, a property management company and uh, part-time and going to seminary part-time and, uh, and eventually, uh, God, when I, after I graduated seminary, God called us out to, to be an English pastor at a church here in Vancouver. And I served there for uh, uh, almost six years. And, and then um, after that, God uh, took me out of there and called me to Burnaby Alliance Church, where I am now. And I've been serving here since 2017. So it's a good seven years that I've been here. Yeah. Wow, man. What a... What a story. I think I really was encouraged both to hear about your spiritual heritage um, and how God has worked and used, worked in and used your family um, for the kingdom. And so that's just really, it's awesome, like hearing stories of that. Um, And then I think at the same time, also hearing your specific journey um, of, you know, maybe resisting the, the call that the Lord had on your life. And yet he was he was persistent in, in pulling you into that. And so, um, thank you for sharing your story. I think that, that it's always an encouragement to us. And I, I think to our listeners as well, you know, over the summer when we were hanging out in Vancouver at this conference, we mm-hmm. ended up talking, um, quite a bit. And, um, you know, I think just generally there are, there are differences obviously between the, uh, Chinese heritage churches in the United States and the, the, Chinese heritage churches in Canada, um, you know, and so some of this conversation tonight is because there, there are lots of differences, but I think there's one pretty big one um, that has recently, um, you know, kind of impacted um, the churches in Canada. And so we ended up talking about this at the conference and I was picking your brain, asking questions. And I felt mm-hmm. like, man, we should have just recorded that lunch conversation um, for this podcast, but uh, we, I didn't have the foresight to, to do that or walk around with a little voice recorder. Otherwise we'd already have this episode um, done, but I wanted to talk with you because, um, you know, for whatever you think of both countries, immigration policies, currently it is much easier for, um, people to migrate to Canada, especially if you're, um, from Asia than it is Mm -hmm. to come into the United States. And so, you know, I'll let you kind of unpack this because I think you're probably more familiar with it. But from our vantage point in the US, we have been hearing all these stories about all these families and people from Hong Kong leaving Hong Kong and ending up in places like London and Sydney um, and then in in Canada, you know, one of those places being in Vancouver. And so uh, I'm just curious if you could unpack for us a little bit of like how that's been over the last few years. I know it's probably in the last three or four now, uh, maybe not four yet, but last three years, this wave of migration and how has it impacted you and your church? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're right. <laughs> Our immigration policies are, are a lot, it's a lot easier to get into Canada than it is to the States. Um, there, so a couple of years ago, um, Canada, our government, we, 
changed some of the requirements for immigration, um, and it affected the sort of the pathway for people to to become citizens in our country. And one of the things, if if you are so a couple of years ago, they changed, uh, they actually eased it, made it a lot easier. Um, so for someone to apply for a permanent residence card, a PR card, which is a, I think it's similar to your green cards. Um, uh, so it's a, it's not quite citizen yet, but it's the, the first step towards citizenship. Uh, so you basically, there's a couple of ways to do it. Um, you can complete a degree at a Canadian post-secondary institution. Um, and so, and so people would come in uh, and it's, and it's not, not even a university you have to be at. You could go to a tech school and get like a one-year certificate and you're eligible to apply for your PR card. Uh, another another way to do it is if you work full time on a working visa, uh, I think if, I, I can't remember if it's like one year or or two years, uh, then you can apply for a PR card. So it's really easy. Or if there's, uh, you know, there's if you have family in the country, then you can apply uh, for immigration. And so they, they made it a lot easier for people to immigrate into Canada. I know. And it's and it's uh, I know. And I think they're. Uh, the, the Canadian government actually just announced uh, not too long ago, within the last couple of weeks, that they have uh, specific targets in mind for the next three years of immigration. And they're hoping for, uh, it averages out to about 500,000 Im new immigrants per year for the next three years. So that's how many, that's how much they're targeting for. A lot of those have to do with, um, e you know, economic immigration, where people are coming into work, coming to invest in stuff, um, into businesses and that sort of thing, or start businesses. Um, but a lot of it is, uh, you know, there's a percent, certain percentage for refugees and um, and another percentage for, you know, if you have family in, in the country already. Uh, so uh, Canada's really open to immigration right now. Uh, we're we're kind of opening our arms up to the world right now. Um, but then uh, but then you combine that with some um, global factors. You know, there's the war in Ukraine. Um, there's you know the the protests in Hong Kong, the political situation in Hong Kong, and the situation, the the you know the context is ripe for people to 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 come into Canada. Uh, so you have um, so over the past year or so, I think there are um, there are about um, four hundred thousand new immigrants or something into Canada, and another and on top of that four hundred thousand, there's another six hundred thousand or so who have entered our country on 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 like work visas or student visas so they're they're coming in here to live they're not quite they're not quite pre permanent residents yet but they're coming in to work or to study uh so that's a million people right mm -hmm. uh not all of them are from hong kong of course uh but a a lot of them are coming in i think i think the 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 country with the most uh immigrants into canada is india uh but next to that is is um, is is Hong Kong and China, um, and so yeah, it's 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 pretty easy to get into Canada at this point, and so with uh, with a lot of people coming in from Hong Kong, there's a lot of Christians that are coming in as well, and and they're they're coming into some of the the larger cities like Toronto and and Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, um, Montreal. Um, Montreal actually Montreal is a little bit different in Quebec they, they kind of got their own thing going on in terms of immigration but mostly like Vancouver Toronto Calgary Edmonton uh, that I've heard of anyways uh, stories of where, where churches are growing uh, like crazy for our church we have um, in the last couple of years since COVID we've had um, uh, about 400 
new visitors come through, uh, pretty much all of them. Yeah, this is just as purely Cantonese ministry. Wow. 400 new visitors coming through um, our Cantonese services. And, and those are the ones who've actually filled out like visitors cards and have made contact with our pastors at some point. Um, and not all of them, not all of them have integrated in our church, maybe about a third of them have integrated in our church. Um, and so we have, um, we had already kind of started planning, um, even before this huge wave came in, we had already started planning a sort of a contemporary uh, style Cantonese w worship service. And uh, so, so that we already kind of had the infrastructure, uh, or we already had kind of a, the, the plans to, to have something set up for them. And so that grew over the last, started maybe like two years ago, they launched that service. Um, they went from like 30 people. Now, now it's probably sitting about 180 on average, 170, 180. Hmm. Um, I know if I know, and, and, and one of the things that are, that's happening as well is um, like uh, from just this total anecdotal, right. Um, a lot of the, a lot of the, the people that are coming in from Hong Kong, they're looking, uh, they're, they're mainly staying uh, or they're settling into like the larger churches, churches with, um, pretty established like children's programs and youth programs hmm. because what we've seen is a lot of the families that are coming in um a lot of the people that are coming in are younger families hmm. so uh families with you know just uh, you know with uh, school-aged children like elementary school-aged children and and they're coming in and and they're looking at churches that have pretty good uh children's programs and and so and it's usually the bigger churches that that have that and so you'll see there's a there's I think there's like four in in the in our Chinese Chinese Alliance among the Chinese Alliance churches in the Vancouver area. There's four kind of flagship Chinese churches, and um, and 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 I I think what uh, is what's happening is a lot of the new uh, immigrants are settling into those those churches. I know there's a church in Richmond, uh, which is I, yeah the church that we had our conference in, John. Mm -hmm. um, they're they they started a, a a Cantonese young adult service, and and they blew up. There like there's like three hundred people going to that service. Wow! Um, and that's all within the last couple of years, right? So yeah, all this stuff is is happening. And um, um, I, I, I was talking to another pastor out in Toronto. They have, I mean, their church is huge. They're they're probably one of the bigger churches that I know of. Chinese churches in Canada, they had like, uh. 200 families like these 200 families not just individuals 200 families that that integrated and connected with their church and stayed with their church wow. so like you're took you're locked there's a lot of people right and there's stories coming out of you guys probably heard some stories coming out of like london uk um manchester there's a, a chinese alliance church that went from like 150 people to like 1800 like growing by like tenfold 10 11 mm -hmm. full right so it's uh, immigration and people coming out of Hong Kong. It's 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 really it's just really uh, kind of a crazy phenomenon that's affecting a lot of churches right now. And um, yeah, it's 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 pretty it's pretty cool to see. I I know that um, for our church, uh, just back to your question, <laughs> John, our church we uh, we've uh, you know our we've been pretty. Uh, I'm 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 just kind of blown away by our our Chinese pastors and our Cantonese pastors they they're pretty proactive and and um and pretty brave in in terms of trying to minister uh to uh all the new new people that are coming in hmm. 
what they've done is they've actually restructured um, just how they do ministry. So usually how, how they did in the past was uh, before the pandemic was they had, um, you know, uh, age specific or um, stage of life kind of fellowship groups. And these groups are like, you know, like 30, 40, 50 people. And they're, they're really big groups. But um, during the pandemic, I think we had this big kind of this uh, refocusing on discipleship and they really changed the way they do church um changing to like a more of a, a small group model um and um and uh sort of setting these infrastructures and so i think the timing of it was amazing because um once they had kind of the infrastructure in place once there's once they had kind of the cast division and and people were starting to buy in man there was always it, it was a it was a tough situation for them to to try to get people on board but eventually they did um, and then they saw all these people coming in, coming through, and they were able to, they had the infrastructure in place to be able to, uh, to, to be able to integrate and connect to, to a lot of people. So it was pretty cool how, what they did. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just really, uh, I, I have mad respect for, for how they were able to, to, to go through what they were going through. And then they're still, they're still expecting a lot more people coming to come through. So it's been pretty cool to see. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think that typically just because of immigration patterns, the Cantonese congregations in Chinese heritage churches tend to be older, right? Yeah. Um, if I think for, for maybe a decade or so, there was kind of, there was kind of, um, a waning of the Cantonese speaking congregations in Chinese heritage churches. Those were kind of shrinking down. Those were aging out. Um, but then now with the, the last few years here, there's been this you know, as we've been saying, a massive influx of Cantonese speaking from Hong Kong going into uh, a lot of cities around the world. And for you guys in Vancouver, certainly, uh, have you noticed the difference in sort of, you know, maybe culturally even, but just Cantonese speakers who are coming in now versus those who have lived in Vancouver longer? Um, what is that? Was like, I mean, you kind of hinted at you know, you guys were already kind of setting up for a, a more contemporary worship service and kind of small group modeled uh, gatherings. Um, but how how have you seen sort of the difference in the Cantonese speakers who are coming in now versus those who have been maybe a little more established in Vancouver? Um, yeah, I mean, I'll I'll do my best to answer this question because I'm a I'm pretty much a. Uh, a white guy trapped in a Chinese body, born in, in the prairies of, of Canada and born and raised in the prairies of Canada. So I'll do my best to respond to this. The, the, the big, I think that one of the biggest factors that I see and just kind of talking to some of their Cantonese pastors is um, the, is the biggest, I think one of the biggest factors is demographics. Uh, a lot of the church members who are existing, they've been in Vancouver for a long time. Uh, um, I'm not sure how it was for Chinese churches in in the states where you guys are at, but we've had a couple of sort of big waves of immigration. Um, the most recent one being in the 90s, uh, you know, just before the handover uh, of Hong Kong back to China. And so we had a, a big wave of people that came in there. And the people that came in, typically, um, they're a lot wealthier. They had... Um, 
sort of there there a lot of them were older families that brought like their entire family like uh, and their teenage kids and 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 that sort of thing um and uh and so so and so they were they came 30 years ago and they fully integrated into life in Vancouver um and um you know a lot of the and and then even before that like our church has been around for uh 40 plus years we started back in like 81 or 82 or something like that and so the the people that started that i mean they uh the guys that started that they were university students back then and now their kids are uh their kids are are university students or or, or getting married um, or having and having kids, and so they're they're the older generation now, and so they've been in Canada for for years and years and years, uh, for, for 30, 40 plus years, um, and so but so the the new immigrants that are coming in, um, just from what we've seen is that they're younger families, um, a lot of them don't have the same financial means that immigrants did back in the nineties, and so you won't see guys driving around in Porsches and buying up all these big mansions in Vancouver anymore. A lot of the guys, they're just coming in. A lot of people are just coming in, coming in and really just trying to find jobs, trying to, trying to raise their family. A lot of them are, uh, they can't buy big houses anymore. They're, they're here to rent. Um, and, uh, and so, so it's, it's more of a typical immigrant experience than I think, um, mm. you know, the, the, the more uh, wealthy immigrants, um, not all of them were out wealthy, but it, it's it's. I feel like it was is a bit more. The, the people coming in were a bit more wealthy in the '90s, so now now nowadays it, they're just coming in looking for jobs like everyone else and trying to make things work like everyone else. Um, I think the other thing too is that a lot of people coming out of Hong Kong because they're younger. Um, uh, the, there's there's a lot of students coming in because it's it's easier. You, you know, just get you just get a degree or a certificate at a school and you can become a Canadian resident. Um, uh, so you have students, you have young families. A lot of them were actually involved in the um, umbrella movement. And you see, there, I, I don't know how, I, I don't know actually know how uh, it actually plays out in day-to-day -day life, but you know, I, I would expect there's, there's trauma coming out of that, right? Because they're, they're having to leave their home um, sort of under duress um, not like they're hoping to, not, not in a way that they would plan to or hope to, but they're just kind of, they feel like they're forced out of their home in Hong Kong to come mm -hmm. to Canada. And so, uh, so I think, I think they bring that kind of baggage with them. So, yeah. So yeah, it is a little bit different from, from the previous waves of immigrants that come through. Yeah, no, that's such a, it's so insightful. I think um, when Jalen and I were talking through some questions to, to ask you that one, came up initially because in my mind, um, you know, at least in the, in the U S a lot of times Cantonese congregations for a long time, they're like snapshots in time of mm. what a church service in Hong Kong looked like at the time of those major waves of migration. And so I was curious if that has shifted because obviously the churches in Hong Kong have shifted and evolved over that time. But a lot mm -hmm. of times in the U S at least, um they they stay like like those time capsules right or those snapshots um and they're maybe a little more traditional but i feel like just as you're answering this question it's not just from a church expression you know way of uh looking at what are some of the difference but even like like you said 
um, the stories of the people who are coming over are, this is unique, uh, a unique time in history, right? They've had unique experiences coming out of, um, you know, the, the protests in uh, 2019 in Hong Kong and, um, and then also unique, like moving to the West coast of uh, Canada, I imagine is a lot like living on the West coast in the United States, which is, it's probably not super like affordable to live in these places. Like you said, mm. they're not buying homes. They're coming and renting and just trying to make a, make a living. Um, and so I just feel like there's so much, that's so much to have to, you know, um, kind of factor in as you do ministry among um, these, these, uh, these individuals and as you, as your pastors care for them. And so I, I just, yeah, I, I don't, I haven't met, or I don't remember meeting any of the pastors from your church or the, um, the Cantonese staff, um, since at our conference, we largely hung out like by, by language group. Um, but I just imagine there's both a really big challenge in what, uh, now the task in front of them, but also, um, just a tremendous amount of fruit that, is going to come out of the season as they faithfully serve. I, you know, like even thinking about like the fact that probably a lot of the initial visitors are folks who are going to churches in Hong Kong and then they're, you know, they're coming to, um, to Vancouver now and they're, they're looking for new churches to, um, to, to join, right? Like transplants the same way. Mm -hmm. If you're following Jesus, you live in, Chicago and you move to the West Coast, you might be looking around at different churches and things like that. Um, and so even though maybe some of the initial growth is is just transplanting believers from one location to another, I know that that's not everyone that's coming over, right? There's got to be both those with Christian backgrounds uh, and those who are unchurched or who have no gospel access. Um, mm -hmm. And so, or just have never encountered Jesus before. And so with both of those things as the Cantonese congregations in your church uh, and other churches in Vancouver and, and, and throughout Canada are growing, there's also just tremendous potential for um, people who have maybe never considered who Jesus is or never heard who Jesus is to now hear the gospel, um, that a, a gospel that brings life and speaks restoration into, into broken things, whether it's for ourselves individually, but also um, into the brokenness in our, in our own lives and, you know, situations and, and different things. And so I'm just really, yeah, I'm, I'm encouraged by how, just from an outsider's perspective, seeing how, um, you know, your churches have, or hearing stories of how churches in, in Canada have really, um, handled this new situation or, or this new challenge. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I one of, yeah, one of the cool things, like I, you know, I, I got to give props to our, uh, our, our Cantonese brothers and sisters who are who are leading these ministries because, um, um, it's you're so right. Like there's this is a, this is a this is a season of, of of his history where you know I think, you know, the gospel it, and man, people are, are ripe to hear the gospel, right? Mm -hmm. Um, especially people coming from Hong Kong. I know that. So just from our our church's perspective, you know the 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 sort of the church infrastructure that was set up the the um uh with their small groups. One of the big things, uh, one of the big emphases for that setup, um, is it was evangelism, was just giving people 
like church people the opportunity to to invite friends to this small mm. group and and just uh you know bring the gospel uh to all these people and, and they're seeing like so it's not just so yeah there's a huge a huge chunk of these people are coming in and so a lot of it's transfer growth mm-hmm. um uh, but you're also seeing a lot of people coming to faith. We're, we're seeing a lot of people um, ex- uh, coming to receive the love of Jesus, you know, making decisions to to follow yeah. Jesus. Uh, we're seeing a lot of more uh, kind of a, a bump in in baptisms. Um, but the other cool thing that's that's coming out of this is um, I, I don't know about other denominations, but uh, for in 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 our in our denomination, the CNMA Christian Missionary Alliance. Uh, uh, particularly in in our region, we've like there have been a lot of really cool things, uh, like collaborative uh, efforts to to plant um, new ventures or, or new churches. Uh, we uh, a few years before the pandemic, uh, our church, uh, uh, our Mandarin ministry, we uh, collaborated with a um, you know a white church um, out in. Langley, which is a little bit further out from Vancouver, it's still part. I think it's still considered part of the Metro Vancouver area, but it's really, it's it's kind of far out. It's out in the boonies, man. Um, but <laughs> it's uh, so yeah, they like it was a it was a it was a it was an older church. Their you know their average age was getting a little higher, and but they saw these uh you know immigrants coming in from China, Mandarin speaking people coming in and settling down into their in their area and. And they they wanted to open their church. They had the space, they had the resources, but they didn't have the people to do it. And so we came alongside with them. We partnered up with them and planted a um, a Mandarin ministry out there with mm. their church out in Langley. Uh, but you see this happening uh, throughout kind of uh, the greater Vancouver area. And there's another church uh, not too far from us. They they also partnered up with another big uh, white church out in um, the, in what's that Maple Ridge, which is another suburb of of Vancouver, and um, you know they they they're planting a Cantonese ministry, hundred percent, and and most of those people are new Canadians from Hong Kong. Uh, there's another then I, I know of another one that's popping up too, kind of closer to Richmond, um, and uh, and so you have all these really close so it's not just the churches get the chinese churches getting involved it's um you know the canadian the other it's the greater church kind of coming together where they're seeing this need of of all these immigrants coming in uh people who also need the gospel and and they're just we're all partnering together and um and starting all these new ventures together and it's and it's really cool i know our church we're praying through a church plant um uh, just outside of us, uh, outside of our of the Burnaby area as well, and so we're hoping to, uh, we're open to to um, to those kinds of collaborations and partnerships. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's it's really cool to see. Like it's it's kind of a exciting time right now in the Chinese, uh, yeah. at least the Chinese Alliance Church world. No, it's I mean it's so good to to hear that, and and I think even earlier I was uh, messaging Jalen on the side as you were sharing like to hear that some of what you guys are doing, you were preparing for it even before this happened, right? Like it just, that's not an accident. I think the Lord was preparing you guys for some of the the structure and strategies, putting it in place even before yeah, this yeah, totally. wave yeah. happened. Yeah. And just the idea of like, 
you know, having new wineskins for, for new wine, that it's just an encouragement. Like really it's an encouragement to me to, to hear about what God is doing um, in, in your area. You know, I wanted to slightly shift gears here um, yeah. because we've been hearing a lot about what the Cantonese congregation primarily is doing to, to meet these needs. But um, since you're the English lead pastor, I, I think I'm curious, like how has this influx of, um, you know, Cantonese speaking, uh, people impacted your congregation, um, you know, because since you're serving side by side, um, you know, I, I, I'm just curious, like, has it led to any unexpected challenges or just joys that have come with besides just like watching it happen, you know, how has that impacted you guys? Yeah, for us, it's, um, it hasn't impacted us too much yet. We, like you said, we're just kind of sitting on this we have a front row seat to what's happening but it hasn't fully um impacted us yet i think there have been some families um who are, have kind of coming in from hong kong who sort of kicking the tires at at at, at our at the english ministries and and seeing how it's like um maybe some of them you know prefer just kind of like switching it up in terms of styles of, of worship and, and styles of preaching and that sort of thing. Um, and so you, you see some of the families coming in and out of, uh, you know, kind of splitting time between English, our English worship service and the, our, our contemporary Cantonese worship service. Um, there's, so there's been a handful of that. I think where the biggest impact is, is in our children's ministry, because they're, they're, uh, the the their fa their families obviously and they're coming in and they're bringing in the kids that um are uh that are going to be directly attending or affecting the children's ministry and um uh so it, it kind of brings us back to like the 80s because <laughs> I, I remember when i was in sunday school as a kid i remember like the first few years of of, of sunday school like being in 100% cantonese I didn't speak Cantonese, but like they spoke to me in Cantonese and I just went along with it. But nowadays, like it's in English, but we have a lot of kids coming in, but they don't speak a lot of English. Uh, they speak a lot of Cantonese. And so so a lot of the volunteers that are come that that are um are coming are are starting to help out with the children's ministry. A lot of them have to be you used to be a lot from the English. Now a lot of them are coming in from the Cantonese side. Uh just it's it's still led in English. It's still conducted in English, but there's there's still um, a language barrier there. So there there is uh, so for the children's ministry has a huge in, in, impact. I think where for the English congregation where we're going to see the impact is when those kids grow up, and those kids are going to grow up in the next five to ten years. Um, they're going to be coming to the English ministry, and so. Um, we it, we haven't started thinking about it yet, but it it's pretty much time for us to start planning ahead to, to see how it is that we can uh, minister them to them when they do get uh, age into the the English ministry because um, that's going to happen uh, a lot sooner than we think and uh, and 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 it, and if we don't start thinking about it now, it'll probably sneak up on us quite pretty quick. Yeah, I think that that's sort of the beauty of the Chinese Heritage Church, right? And I think that's playing out in real time now as you're thinking mm. through, okay, these children, part of the English, you know, language, the, the 
children's Sunday schools in English, right? And as they get into youth group and as they kind of uh, get older, um, most likely they're joining the the English congregation. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that is just the beauty of, I think, how a Chinese heritage church continues to be uh, such an important part of the larger kingdom. And it's exciting to see that, that that's happening at your church. And I would imagine for a lot of churches that are experiencing that kind of influx of Cantonese speakers, um, that's got to be really exciting. And so something that we'll definitely pray for you and, and pray for uh, yeah. our churches about, this is super exciting. Yeah. Um, I think what you know, I know just, uh, just on that note, um, it, it, one of the things that when I, when I came on board at our church, you know, the, and, and anytime, anytime I, I you enter into like a, a Chinese church situation, they're always like, yeah, English ministry is the future of the church. English ministry is the future of the church. And this is this mantra that's been repeated over the last, I don't know, 15, 20 years. But, um, but every time, but like now it's, we're seeing as like, actually, no, <laughs> it's not, we're not, we're not, it's not quite, not, we're not quite handing over yet. Mm. You know, um, it, it, you know, hold, hold your horses a little bit there. Um, but, uh, it, but it's, it's okay. I'm okay with that. I, yeah. I think, it, I think the beauty is, is that, um, the, the, the cool thing about where, uh, the Chinese church is now is that, um, I, I don't think it's as so much, you know, in the past, there's always this us and them, like English ministries, like this, um, this baby brother, that's always kind of gets passed over and we never get, um, and, and uh, I don't think it's like that as much anymore. I think there's a lot more collaboration. There's a lot more partnership. And, and I think you're, you're I, th- I don't know. I don't know about other churches, but I, I think we see that happening a lot in, in some of the churches around here, at least. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like that you said it's not necessarily the English congregations, the future is I think it's together. Yeah. And that's what, that's what God is, you know, I, I would hope is doing um, for the sake of, you know, gospel expansion and advancement, mm-hmm. you know, that's totally, that's yeah. the beauty of like, like you're saying, partnering together with our Cantonese congregations and Mandarin congregations and, and then even churches that are not Chinese, but, you know, definitely kind of doing that at a smaller scale in a Chinese heritage church. Mm-hmm. That's just the beauty of reconciliation that we see, um, and we want to continue to advance um, and share. So that's super exciting. We're, we're obviously at a very um, interesting and exciting time in the Chinese Heritage Church. So it's super exciting to be part of, you know, what God is doing in our churches. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Last question we always ask is um, what's one piece of advice or encouragement that you would give to someone that's currently serving in the Chinese Heritage Church. And, you know, we've kind of covered a lot, so this could just kind of be more of a general um from for for you having you know served in you know two different chinese heritage churches and also been in different you know fields and uh marketplace workplaces what is something that you would share with another pastor yeah i mean, i was i was thinking about this and i wasn't sure what to share but i think one of the things that that came to mind was this idea of perseverance of of just of just sticking with it man like mm-hmm. um I know that um, you know every every situation is pretty different, and 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 I get that like uh, every everyone has a different ministry context, and um, some are more challenging than others, and um, I'm not saying to to stay at a, a particular ministry context to the detriment of your wife and family and your 
their mental health. But um, but I think there's a there's a beauty to perseverance and um mm. and and staying long. Like I I've only been with my context for about seven years, but um, just from my observation, seven years is a long time for an English person. <laughs> um and uh I, I think just one of the greatest gifts i think especially post-covid the one of the greatest gifts that you could give to a congregation is just the gift of your presence right mm -hmm. um for people to have some sort of stability in terms of pastoral leadership um i, I know for me in a lot of ways i think um uh, as i think for a lot of a lot of guys out there is i was feeling pretty tapped out uh, leadership wise after COVID um, and just struggling to lead well um, and feeling plateaued in, in my ability to lead well, you know, feeling tired, feeling exhausted, all those things. But I think what carried me through a lot of that, uh, especially in, in, in ministry was just, was just being present, uh, being, uh, trying to be like a stabilizing force. Uh, the guy before me, he was only there for three years. And I think there's, there's some, uh, a little bit of turnover previous to that as well at, at my church. Um, but, uh, you know, I think, I think just persevering people will see that you're, you're sticking around through tough times. And, um, and if they see that, like, even though they might not agree with you, but I think when push comes to shove, it's, um, uh, people are going to rally around you. I, I, I they're going to pray through you when you're having tough times personally, right? I feel like mm -hmm. because you stuck with them. And so fidelity, perseverance, uh, just years of service in, in one particular church context is huge. Uh, one of the things that came to mind too, is one of my closest friends, who's a, um, a English pastor at a, at a, at a Chinese heritage church uh, nearby. He's been in his church, uh, English pastor for, like 15, 16 years, a long time, right? And um, uh, he suffered the loss of his oldest daughter this past summer. And um, and I got to see just how his church rallied around him. Uh, and it was beautiful. Like they did everything. They, 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 they cooked meals for his family. They, they, this, you know, the, the memorial service, like everything was taken care of by his church and all these things. And I, and I just saw, watched this, how, like the the church kind of you know got his back and and rallied around him for that mm -hmm. and uh and you know um you know some guys have it tough uh, in pastoral situations uh are tough it's tough sometimes to 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 be pastors in, in a chinese church and i get that but there is a beauty to to sticking around long enough to see sort of your fruits mm. um, yeah. being grown and, and blossoming like that so mm -hmm. Uh, so if I, if you know the, yeah if I have had any any advice, um, and try to stick out, man, you know, persevere. Yeah, no, that's a good word, Keith. Thank you so much for sharing um, your own story, uh, your wisdom, and your experience of what God is doing in your church and in your area. I think it's a again, like I've said this already, an encouragement to us and hopefully to our listeners as well. And, uh, you know, I, I wish that when I was there over the summer, I had more time to, because uh, we spent most of our time at the conference itself, but even just to yeah. kind of see your ministry and participate and worship with you guys, I think that would be something that I would really love to do at some point. So since I'm on the West Coast too, it's not that far of a journey up to Vancouver. We'll have to try to make that happen. And, and you did mention earlier that 
I, I could get a Vancouver food tour from you at, at some point in that. Series. Anytime, so, man, anytime. We'll Come on to, the tour. We'll have to do yeah. that. So, but thank you again for coming on the podcast with us tonight. We've just really enjoyed hanging out with you and hearing your story. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me. That's the end of our episode. Thanks for joining us today on the Bamboo Pastors podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the pod on whatever platform you listen to us on. Rate and review us and check in every week as we explore the joys and challenges of ministry in the Chinese church. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Bamboo Pastors. See you next time.